It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, we have a special for you. Stephen Kwan is with us here from the Cleveland Guardians. And we always like to bring on people who are hometown products from Fremont. Uh, You've been setting the baseball world on fire really ever since the Pac-12, but now really in Major League Baseball. It is an honor to lead the show with you. And we always like bringing Bay Area kids back who have been doing so well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me. Now, you used to actually show up here for field trips back in the day when you were a kid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, get a free day off of school, go play some uh, or watch some baseball, eat some popcorn. It was always a good time. So, for you, you start out this season. You're not striking out, which is wonderful to see. We'll get into that. But how about that where we are in baseball where all you got to do is make contact and people love you for it. Yeah, no, it's not bad. <laughs> I'm not the guy who can hit home runs, so just making contact is all my game. So to be uh, rewarded for it is always pretty cool. And to start the season out the way you did, how was the national attention? Yeah, it was cool. It was a little overwhelming. Um, just trying to get my feet wet, just trying to be successful in baseball, and then all that kind of media attention coming. It was it was definitely overwhelming, but I had some good uh, some good teammates, some good mentors just kind of helped me through, and it's been working out so far. Yeah, a lot of us don't know what that's like when all of a sudden, because I actually did a report on you during the games I do during our broadcast. I do these hits about everything going on in baseball, and obviously you being local, we talk about, hey, this guy doesn't strike out. He makes time. So, when the baseball world is starting to talk to you, yes, you could talk to people, but still you got to handle it. Yeah. no. What did you do? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's nice online kind of seeing, like, people praising you, but I knew that's not, like, a sustainable thing. So I tried to – I deleted my Twitter, uh, just try to stay off of social media for that, um, and just trying to, like, talk to the people back home, just stay grounded in that area because there's just so many, like – so many signals where it's like, oh, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing great. And it's like, okay, like, that's cool, but I don't want to feed into that because that's not, that's not going to be me every day. I just want to stay consistent. That's interesting. You deleted your Twitter account. I just deleted the app. I still have my Twitter account, but okay, I just deleted yeah. the app just so it's less accessible. You just want it out. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't the noise out. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the account always lives there, but, yeah, yeah I get you. Mm-hmm. That, that is interesting, yeah, because it's probably been a while. I mean, Ramirez obviously is a beast, but it's probably been a while that there's been a – uh, a guy on Cleveland who's taken the baseball world by storm. Yeah, it's been pretty cool so far. Cleveland's obviously been super, super loving in that aspect, so I'm super grateful for that. Now, we're so used to, obviously, the Indians, the change to the Guardians. 
Uh, I was just telling you off, Mike, that last time I was in Cleveland before COVID, Chief Wahoo was gone, still the Indians, but kind of deciding where are they going to go. They didn't know at the time. So as a player, and I'm sure as you travel around, people are having trouble because they still want to say Indians. What has it been like for you guys with this change? It's been pretty cool. It's been an honor to kind of be that first wave of Guardians to be uh, added to the baseball world. Um, and the kind of idea behind the Guardians is always really cool. The you know the statue is kind of the beginning of the uh, the city, so it's an honor to kind of have this new wave and just just trying to create a legacy out of it. Now, obviously, this road trip hasn't been great for you guys. There's been struggles. There's been struggles offensively. Where are you guys right now heading into this series? Yeah, I think uh, I think we've taken some really good strides. I think we face some really good pitching. I think it's always tough to give pitchers credit in some aspects as a hitter, but been a lot of pitchers that have been hitting their spots. Uh, we're chasing out of the zone a little bit, but I think we have a really good core. We have a really good idea of what we want to do with the play, and if we stick to our plan, I think we can do some damage. I know when you talk to pitchers, they hate guys who don't strike out, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. strike out, when you got these guys, everybody's looking at launch angle, trying to get the ball out of the ballpark. You can strike those guys out, and then at times you can walk them, not deal with them, put them on first. Mm -hmm. But a guy like you, they got to deal with you. Mm -hmm. And I know it, it goes back to like when Greg Maddox was talking about Tony Gwynn. Mm -hmm. Just how much do you pride yourself, the plate discipline, making contact, just not striking out, but making that good hard contact and not striking out. Yeah, no, I definitely pride myself on that. Um, I kind of had to change my game in that, you know, like 13 years old, everybody starts to grow, and I'm starting to stay the same. So I'm definitely seeing I'm not going to be a power guy growing up. So just kind of understanding what I do well, you know, working a count, putting the ball in play, uh, barreling a ball up in the gap, trying to leg it out for a second. Like, that's always been my game, and I can't be somebody I'm not. I can't kind of buy into those launch angle and power numbers. So just sticking with my game and trying to perfect it in every way I can is, I think, how I got here. And it's really weird as someone who's covered this game a long time, the fact that there's like a whole new appreciation for your type of player, which a couple of years ago, everybody just wanted to talk about hitting the ball at the ballpark and how far you hit it. And when you're on the mound, how hard you throw it. How proud are you? You're kind of bringing back the kind of the old school way of baseball. Why? Because it works. Yeah, no, it's been affirming for sure. Uh, like when I was in the minors too, I kind of see it like they're – the home runs are sexy, you know, the velo is sexy, and it's kind of like, well, I hope there's a spot for me in the big leagues. Um, and I think I'm really happy that I'm able to kind of show that there's still a spot for guys like me in baseball. Well, there's always going to be a question, too, because, you knowing you started Oregon State, mm -hmm. well, you know, the question of going from the metal bat contact guy to the wood bat contact guy, you're proving, yeah, that still works. Yeah, just barrels play everywhere, you know, like on a metal bat or a wood bat. As long as you get the bat on the ball and barrel it up, it'll, it'll be something good. So what has big league life been like since you've come up? You've had time. You know, you're getting a little bit in the spotlight. Just how has is, how is the world changed for you? I don't think it's changed too much. I think I have another, a new appreciation for, like, the small things. Like, the food on these road trips have been unbelievable. <laughs> we just came from New York, and yeah. everybody's talking about the spreads over there, and somehow it, like, lived up to that glory. Like, it's it's been pretty cool. The travel's been awesome. The guys have been amazing. It's been it's been real cool so far. Yeah, speaking of New York, it got, it got ugly at Yankee Stadium, mm -hmm. obviously, with you, and then it got ugly and right. Just take us through that. What was that experience like? Yeah, I think for me, I had a kind of a dazed approach to all that because after I came off the wall, I was I was I was hurt pretty bad, so I wasn't able to hear kind of all the stuff they were saying to me. But luckily, I got great teammates like Miles and Merck kind of yeah. had my back, and they said something over to them. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And the tempers flew high. It was a really close game, a really exciting game. So I understand that the Yankees fans, you know. They're, they're really passionate how they feel. But, yeah, one thing led to another, and it got a little crazy out there. Yeah, when, when Miles goes up on the – he's going up, and he's going up on the wall. I yeah. mean, and you can see the fans go, whoa. I yeah. mean, 
That to me, yes, negative for the game, doesn't look good. But I think inside your clubhouse, that doesn't that build something? Absolutely. And like I said, like I was dazed. I didn't know what they were saying. And Miles sticking up for me, like he didn't even know if I heard that. But the fact that he's trying to stick up for me and let those guys know that what he said isn't acceptable, I mean, that means a lot to me. And I appreciate that. That's my brother, and I'm, I'm grateful for him. And then how weird was it that the way the game ended and the Yankee players came out to go, whoa, 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 this is getting out of control. Yeah. Um, I, you probably weren't You weren't even out there at the time, right? I was. I stayed, in that, yeah, I stayed in the game for that. What was that like? Again, it was just wild. Like, Merck, Merck's catching the beer bottles, getting caught yeah. in him, and we're trying to, like, get him out of there. The Yankees fans are coming flooding out there, and it was like a little mouse in the palace. Like, I looked up, and I see these beer cans flying with a little beer trail behind it. I thought it was really cool, but uh, I'm glad it didn't escalate to anything else after that. No, yeah, that's something, and and that's always tough too because right after the right after the heat of it, you got to get in, get in front of the media, mm -hmm. and that's what you know. You wish there was that long cooling off period. Unfortunately, there's not. Yeah. Well, luckily, I just went straight to the the training room because I was pretty banged up from that wall, so I got to dodge all that. Well, you got to get going. You got to do BP. Hey, thank you so much for the time, and you know that we're always rooting for the Bay Area guys to do well and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And we, we want to do this for a long time with you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. Hey, nice to meet you. Take nice care. Nice to meet you, yeah. Yeah, we've talked a lot about it, how one of the uh, bright young players in our game and being from, being from Fremont and, you know, just liking the style of play where he's a guy that puts the bat on the ball, uses speed, can drive the baseball. Doesn't get any better than that. You know, we need, you know, it's like what we've seen here with the A's. And you bring in a guy, because think, think about what was, the, what was the one thing the last couple of years A's teams were missing. They were missing a high average, high contact guy. Tommy LaStella comes over, and just how dramatic was the difference in the A's offense when Tommy LaStella got here. Uh, Starley Marte didn't, didn't strike out a lot when he got here, and he got on base. It's like one guy who actually puts the ball in play, has quality of bats, completely changed the lineup. Just one. And I don't know where I heard this conversation, but I thought it was a really good conversation, was you're looking at a situation where you can look at a guy hitting 320. Normally, is that a big deal, a guy hitting 320? The answer would be no. But when the league is hitting, as we said the other day, 231, 320 absolutely stands out like a sore thumb. So I can't even imagine if we went back into the day when there was a, a Wade Boggs or a Tony Gwynn hitting 360, 370, and the league was only hitting 230. And something that I know you – I didn't get to see it. No, it's just Peter Gammons had an article in The Athletic today, and he was talking about how the numbers for batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, are, he compared them from last year to this year. And the batting average was 232 last year. It's 231. The, OB, uh, the Wait, At this time last year. Yeah, April. April of 2021, April of 2022. So on-base percentage is down from 308 to 307. Slugging is 390 last year, 366 this year. The 390 to 366? And the OPS, 699 okay, to on, 673. Hold on, hold on. Let's go back to that. Do that again? The, the slugging? Slugging 390 to 366. Okay. I'm not a meteorologist. Or a mathematician. Or a mathematician. But I, when I talk about meteorologists, let's talk weather there. Because we're hearing a lot of excuses. 
We're hearing a lot. I mean, there people are pulling out. Like if I was a magician and I had my hat and I'm pulling out canes and scarves and rabbits and I'm pulling everything out of that, that's what baseball is doing right now, trying to – because they can't explain it. So is weather different this year than last year? I would bet in where we are in the Bay Area hasn't changed. There's no difference. I don't think there's probably really – you know, there's going to be – uh, bad weather in the Midwest and the East. It's going to be wet down in the Southeast. I The weather's the same. So the lockout was supposed to hurt the pitchers. Yeah. Lockout was but You can't tell. These guys have been hitting. They always hit. It's right after Christmas. They start getting into extensive hitting programs. They're able to lift. They're able to hit. They're able to do all the stuff that they do. So you can't tell me that weather is a reason why we're having the issues. You're, you, you've told me the pitchers are behind, so you can't use the pitching as an excuse of being dominant. How can you tell me slugging is that far behind? Is it the balls being placed in humidors in every single ballpark. The ball is actually being made different. Chris Bassett, Chris Bassett's now claiming that the ball is different by inning, by which batch of balls they put in. Something's going on when yeah. you're when you're talking. How what what was the number again? Three ninety last year to three sixty six for the slugging percentage. In baseball. That's like thirty points. Yeah, in April. Now, again, we know that once the summer comes around, it'll heat up in the ball. But, 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 we, but we don't know that for this year. But, but wait a minute. That gets, goes back to my point. Weather hasn't changed last year at this time to this year. So how, the hole that's going to heat up, we're, 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 using, we're using essentially May to May, right? Chill noise is going to join us right here. How are you doing? You. I, I'm doing wonderful. Welcome to A's Cast Live. We've had you on before, but I think it was by phone back in the day. So I think this is your first time on our actual set here next to the so. dugout. Yes, sir. Well, you know what? I've been I've been waiting for this interview. By the way, nice start, no question. I think the one thing that you've always shown and you've always believed in, you can hit, and you're showing that this year. How, how nice has that start been for you? I think it's good for anyone to get off to a nice start. It definitely builds the confidence early in the season and allows you to kind of feed off of that and build on some other things. Uh, but it's definitely been nice to get to a fresh start here. You know, I was told by somebody in the front office a while ago that the last time you were here and you got sit, sent down, you were miffed. You were really miffed. And I remember going, yeah, I, when you believe you've done everything you can do down there, of course you're going to be miffed, right? That's, that's your, your career. You have every right. How much of this nice start makes you feel, after what happened last time, makes you think, yeah, you know what, I knew it? Yeah, I mean, I think I always knew that I could do it. Uh, just kind of waiting for the opportunity to realize that back then I was a little younger, a little different, trying to do things maybe when I did get called up that I, I couldn't do as a baseball player. And understanding that a little bit more as I get older and the years go on. But uh, I think I just finding myself and being able to stay in that groove the whole year is going to be the biggest key. And getting off to that start definitely helps. So far with this group, you've had 36 different guys play. You've had a lot of young guys play. I know a lot of people always like to talk about how this is a run, a young roster, and I always go, well, before the whole COVID thing happened, it wasn't a young roster. I mean, other than Kevin Smith and, and Pache, everybody is 27 and older with some guys in their 30s, even higher right. 30s. Just a lot of different guys when you have 36 guys so far. What's that been like? 
I think it's been awesome. I mean, you get to see a bunch of guys get in there and get some first opportunities, some guys some some other opportunities, and everybody's taking advantage of it. Uh, the pitching staff, the offense, defense, everything. I mean, we're for the most part, I think we're playing good baseball other than a couple spots here and there that have kind of led to a few losses. But all in all, I mean, we're competing with everybody that we have, like you said. Well, let's be honest. Even though the record says 10-9 and nine, and most people would say, well, it's just a game over 500. You know, in the postgame show, I've been saying, the hell with that. Are you kidding me? No one projected. No one believed, which I've always said, it doesn't matter what guys like I think or what guys in the media think. The only thing that matters is you guys. I think if you look at the numbers, you look at the start of the season, that brutal road trip, and where you guys are right now, I think you got to say it's a hell of a start. Yeah, I mean, we're just a couple big hits and, you know, a couple plays defensively, you know, that we could easily have 13, 14 wins. And uh, we're putting ourselves in the positions offensively to get those runs, and our, our pitching staff's doing phenomenal keeping guys from scoring. So we just got to be able to execute a little bit better, and that's what we've been focused on. But moving forward, if we execute, I think we're going to surprise even more people. You know, I, I know it's a situation with professional athletes. You guys have a ton of pride, and if some things happen that don't go your way right away, you try not to get in your head. And I talked to Mark Kotze earlier today here on the Mark Kotze Show. We're going to play that coming for you at 5 o'clock. We talked about you and a couple errors. You don't want to get too much in your head. Stuff happens, right? And He's not worried about it. Has he talked to you? Eric Martin's talked to you. What, what, how are you guys going about yeah, I've it? I've had a couple of players and a couple of staff members reach out just, you know, you got to relax and play the game, and I think part of it is getting in there and maybe trying to do a little too much defensively, you know, and speeding the game up when I don't have to speed the game up and uh, just kind of getting comfortable again, playing every day, getting in there and not rushing things. Um, and let's be honest, sometimes you get tough hops, you get tough plays. Yeah, a lot of it, you know, putting myself in some bad positions, I think that's part of it, just getting some more reads, um, which we're getting there. I'm, it's frustrating, you know, because obviously I want to I want to go out there and, Play to the best of my ability, which I don't think I have defensively, but you can only get better. So glad we're getting it all out now, and hopefully the rest of the year is way smoother, which I anticipate it will be. One thing I love about your approach, and we've been talking about this, as it it basically went like this. You look at what Sheldon's doing, and that's hit number eight to the right side, hit number nine, hit number 10, hit number 11. We've been tracking it because we have been so tired up here of watching everybody hit into the shift, and I... I have no idea why anybody would shift you. I, I just, they're not listening to this one after what, but I'm like, shifting against you is just dumb. Uh, I appreciate the approach going the other way, how they pitch you, taking it, driving in runs going the other way, beating the shift. How much do you pride yourself in that? Yeah, I mean, just being able to drive the ball the other way, you got a full field for a reason. You know, it plays just as even as it does the righties, as it does the lefties. Nobody said you have to pull the ball or you have no. to hit the ball here. So <laughs> the object of the game is to get runs across the board. My job in the box is find a way on base, driving the baseball wherever it is, left, right, whatever. I'm just aiming for the middle so I have the most room for error. Foul pole to foul pole, baby. I saw this the other day on MLB Network, and they put up this graphic of exit velocity for hitters. And I'm going, some of these guys are hitting 230. So that's great when they hit it. They hit it really hard. But they're hitting 230. Batting average. Everyone wants to get rid of batting average, hate batting average. You hit for batting average. I know it means something to you. It means something to us. We're trying to say, hey, as we're seeing the game regress, guys like you, we just talked to Stephen Kwan. I mean, there is a place for guys to put the ball in play. How much have you noticed, you know, 
how valuable it is to be a guy on that offense is more than just a strikeout, walk, home run guy. Well, I mean, those guys that are hitting home runs, solo home runs, very seldom do you see those win games. Of, you know, we just had one with Pinder, but how often does that happen? I mean, you you got you to have guys on base when you hit the big fly. And so if you don't have the table setter, guys that, that are getting on base consistently, then it's going to be harder to win games. And, uh, I mean, my job as a hitter is to hit. I'm hitting wherever it is, whatever it may be, if it's single, double, if it goes over the fence, it goes over the fence. I just want to hit hit the ball hard, and whatever happens, happens. Well, you mentioned it. Yeah, you never see it. If you think of how long the A's have been in business, going back to Philadelphia, Kansas City here, well over 100 years, we what you guys did in San Francisco has never happened in A's history. Right. Lead-off batter, hits a home run, and that's it for the rest of the game. And we, we got that note. It's like, even though it doesn't feel like history was just made, history was just made. That's pretty cool. It's unbelievable. You know, didn't note it, didn't notice it or know of it till after the game. But sitting around thinking about it, it's like you know, we were we were a part of that. That was kind of crazy if you think about it all in all. Yeah, especially with a team that had Ricky Henderson that hit the most career leadoff home runs, and it's never happened before. Let's get into your guys' pitching because it's definitely exceeded what a lot of people have thought. How have you felt about the starters, and then we'll get to the bullpen? The starters have been great. I mean, they're consistent. You know what you're getting out of them. They're keeping up a good pace. They're filling up the zone. And then guys coming out of the pen are doing the same thing. I mean, you know, one guy has a bad outing. The next guy's picking them up and vice versa. I mean, I've been I've been shocked. It's fun to watch these guys pitch, and it's fun to play behind them. And then the bullpen has been one of the better bullpens if you would have said at the start of the season, most people have said, you know what, what are you drinking, right? They, where we are today, this bullpen's been one of the best bullpens in baseball. Yeah, so we're just playing baseball, man. You're just making the most of your opportunities, you know. There's probably a lot more people here than other organizations that have been doubted, and they're coming up here and they're proving themselves right now. Let's end on this because I know you got to get your work in. You just mentioned, basically, you got a bunch of hungry guys out here. In this clubhouse, you got a lot of guys who are getting an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't get in other organizations. Just talk about the hunger and the drive that you see in the clubhouse with your teammates. I mean, I think we're showing it on the field. I mean, like you said, we're probably a, a younger team, if you will. And I mean, we're coming out and we're competing. We're running the bases. We're diving for balls. We're laying out. We're trying to get bunts. We're hitting and running. You know, we're shutting people down on defense. We're getting the big double plays when we need to on yeah. defense we got a center fielder that covers everything from line to line. I mean, the guys are just playing, and we're playing hard, and it's going to be all year. Well, keep doing it. I know it's been nice to have a couple days off and now another homestand. Good luck, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Man, look at the stars we've had. Stephen Kwan, we've had Sheldon Noisy. I mean, guys who are putting the bat on the ball, making me love baseball again. What do we have next, Cody? Who's next? Who's the next? He's right there, standing right in front of you. Oh, this guy. Oh, hi, Roxy Bernstein. Hi there, Uncle Townie. Now, you don't put the bat on the ball. You just broadcast, I don't know, your ESPN, Pac-12 Network, Touchdown Radio Network. I just talk. That's all I do. How, how many? Who? Who? Am I missing anybody? Oakland A's. Oakland A's. Um, that's about it right now. 
Normally you're a baseball broadcaster, but at this time of the year you've become a hockey broadcaster. They're throwing that on my plate, and I'm totally cool with that. I've what I, I've done some baseball already. It was an opening day for, uh, in Atlanta, ESPN Radio, and the Braves were uh, celebrating their championship against the Reds on that Thursday night, so I was there. I've seen Bob Melvin's Padres already. Yeah, Bo Mel. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then a little college baseball, so, you know, I, I, I weave it all in. When, you, when you're doing hockey playoffs, do you talk about all the frozen ponds you grew up in the peninsula on? Let me tell playing? you, when when uh, Crystal Springs freezes over. <laughs> <laughs> when you go down to the reservoir yeah, there, exactly. Crystal Springs. You know, when, the, when they're right there at Bayside Park in Burlingame where it freezes, just that one little part. Yeah. Well, Right next to where I played Little League there in Burlingame. Well, I know you stepped in years ago and you did some Sharks. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, that was a long time ago. I mean, you love hockey. You play hockey yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, but what's it like now to actually do NHL games and we're like, people like, you're an NHL broadcaster? It was a lot of fun when they just brought me in last week to do a couple of games. I did the Bruins and the Blues. Last Tuesday night, a game that went to overtime in St. Louis and – Charlie McAvoy had a game winner from the slot that won it in overtime for the Bruins and then go to Florida and get to see the eventual President's Trophy winners and Joe Thornton playing for the Florida Panthers. That was that was cool. Who? Jumbo Joe. Jumbo Joe. Your guy. God, how old is he now? 42. God bless him. You know what? And still lives in uh, San Jose, by the way. Still has his house. Um, I got to talk to him for a little bit. He actually skated. He was in the game. That I got to call with Kevin Weeks last Thursday night. Um, he was scratched like seven or eight games in a row leading in. And then he got in there and he had a point that night. He had an assist. Um, it, it was great to see. We talked to him on the post game, And I don't have a rooting interest per se in the playoffs because the Sharks going to be a while before they're in the playoffs. But I'm rooting for Florida. I, I want to see Joe Thornton get that Stanley Cup. I mean, He's been so close, especially in 16 with the Sharks. But let him get it. I want to see Jumbo Joe get it. So nationally, you're not going to get in a lot of love. Nationally, everything is going to be negative. But, you know, the good thing about these guys, and James Caprellian is walking by. We're getting word that he is going to start on Sunday. He's going to start for the A's, which is uh, great to have him back. He shot you a look. You talking about me? Yeah, well, I'm talking about you. <laughs> uh, but you know what, Roxy? If I would have told you 10-9, and nine, coming off another day off, just split with the Giants, starting staff clearly holding their own, bullpen holding their own, offense, I mean, everywhere in baseball, everywhere we look, numbers are down. You don't know what you're getting night to night. But, I mean, the A's are a game over 500. People are – Every once in a while, people say, hey, look out. Wow, it's been interesting. But they've been one of the more interesting stories in baseball. They have been. And, look, considering the, the road trip that they had to start the year, right, you're going to Philly, you're going to Tampa, and you're going to Toronto, and already playing against the Giants, I, don't, I didn't think that being over 500 and here in late April would have been an option, right, considering what you lost. There were so many unknowns with these guys. And you're going up against Tampa Bay, who many people feel can win the American League. Toronto's right there also. Philly's got a good shot, I think, to be in the playoffs over in the National League. The Giants, who won 107 games last year. 
So it's not like it was an easy schedule. Okay, yeah, the Orioles and the Rangers. But this team's played good baseball, and they've gotten some timely hitting. And you mentioned the pitching, and Frankie Montas' going tonight has been brilliant. But the bullpen, even in the absence of Lou Trevino recently, it's been fun to watch this young team grow and gain some confidence here as this opening month has gone on. And don't you like the fact that now with the COVID list, guys are coming off of it, and now you're going to have almost too many guys, which is even hard to even think, right? Too many guys for not as many at-bats or not enough innings. But finally for Mark Kotze, tough decisions, but these are the kind of decisions you want. They're good decisions, right? Because it means that there is competition on your roster for at-bats and competition for innings. And we'll see what direction they want to go in. And you mentioned Caprillion who's going to come off the injured list, so somebody else is going to have to go out. So there's a number of decisions that are going to need to be made here in the next few days to get down to the 26. And I do like the fact that they went with a 28-man roster to start the year because everything was abbreviated in the spring and it was a crash course for guys to get ready. And, you know, when I was in Atlanta, I talked to Brian Snitker about the Braves getting ready for the regular season and how challenging it was for them considering the high of coming off the World Series and then all of a sudden you're scrambling to get into season mode and play some baseball. That opening weekend was tough for them to focus because of all the celebrations, everything that was going on. But every team had to deal with the tough, shortened spring training and trying to get ready in a shorter amount of time than you're normally used to. You know, we haven't seen a team repeat since the Yankees. It's a long time ago, Roxy. I mean, you think about it, we were just getting married at the time. I mean, you were. Yeah. I, I waited a few more years. I mean, I, I mean – we were young in our careers. It's been a long. You mean we're not young anymore? No, we are not. No. Unfortunately, looking no. into the camera, no, we are not. We are not young anymore. You think we're gonna see? I mean, obviously, it's on the Braves this year, but it's been really hard to do. And that, you know, in a sport where you see it all the time, I mean, you you think football would be the hardest, but you've seen it in football. We haven't seen it in baseball in a long time. Atlanta's got the potential to do it this year. And look, last year. The Braves were a pretty remarkable story considering they didn't get above 500 for the first time until early August last year. They had a losing record at the All-Star break, and it wasn't until early August they finally climbed above and they got hot at the right time of the year. And what's crazy is it all came together for them with Ronald Acuna on the injured list that Alex Anthopoulos, their GM, made all these moves to go bring in Eddie Rosario and, and to go get Jock Peterson and and try to get some bats, bring Adam Duvall back to the Braves. And it worked out. Atlanta, they've got the potential. Now that Acuna's back, and I look at that lineup, there's just not an easy out. It's just a question of their starting pitching for me. Okay, Max Freed, Soroka will be back at some point, hopefully, for them. But And they've got some power arms in their bullpen, too. And they bring in Kenley Jansen, Will Smith. I had a chance to talk to him when I was in Atlanta, and it's not easy for a guy that was closing who didn't give up a run in the entire postseason that the Braves ask him to be the setup guy now because they got Jansen. And then I don't know if you've seen Spencer Strider out of their bullpen. My gosh, this guy's got an explosive arm. He's triple digits all the time. That is a really good baseball team. And it's crazy that people could sleep on the world champions, but I think a lot of people are. Well, we... We know why everything in the National League, at least until for no further notice, is all going to be about the Dodgers. Or the Mets, right? Mets are, Mets are people want it. Yeah. 
people wish for it. You know, it's it's the fight between them and the Yankees, and Cohen's got all this money, and Buck Showalter brings it, but bench still, player and brawls already. But still, the whole I, to me, everybody, the the chalk is talking about the Dodgers and the National yeah. League. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's fair. Look, they were the best team in the National League last year. They just didn't win it, right? They didn't even win their own division. They they lost the division by game, but then they beat the Giants in the division series and. Look, when you have that pitching and that versatility with that lineup, they should be the team to beat. Although, you know, if you're going to face the Mets in a series and you're staring at Scherzer and Bassett and don't DeGrom. Don't bring up DeGrom. Good luck. Until DeGrom's back, I okay. don't want to hear it. All right. All right. They have they actually got off to a really good start. They're playing great. And it, 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 you want to be honest, they had kind of a historic start. It, in a sport where no one's getting innings, what what the Mets have done with their starting staff, really, really good, and nothing from DeGrom. That was who, impressive. Who, who'd you pick to win that division this year? I had the Mets after You everything. did. Yeah. See, and all of a sudden, now you're jumping in there. No, no. Those are my – Have I, Cody, have I not been a long, well, long no. fan? Do we have to play the song? Well, we'll play the song for you. Step right up and greet the Mets. My Mets. I mean – Tom Seaver, Dwight Good, Carol Strawberry, Ray Knight, Sid Fernandez, Danny ah, Agbayani, Billy Bean, Tim Tuffle, Tim, Wally Billy, Backman, did you, did you the captain, Rafael Santana. Did you say Billy Bean? Billy Bean. He was. Cap, the captain, David Wright. Uh, Bobby Bonilla. John Stearns. Still getting paid. Michael, Mike Bonilla. Piazza. Johnny Franco. A's legend, Mike Piazza. It's uh, a good pull. Sweet, sweet music. Frank Viola got in there. Yeah. Francisco yeah. Lindor. No, I Greg mean. Greg McDowell. Philly. Roger McDowell, I mean. Jesse Orozco. It'd be good, it'd be good for, for Philly to get in there. To me, the Braves. Tom Glavin. I, I said, you got to remember, the Mets led the division basically the majority of the year. They didn't, they yeah. didn't win. I, but they, they when we got our guy, Mark Canna. Starling Marte. We got Marte in there, Bassey in there. I, I, I think they're highly improved. There's no doubt they are. But I still – I look at the Braves, and I think people are selling the Braves short. Now, Atlantic, again, got hot at the right time, and for three, four months they weren't great last year. But they still end up winning the World Series. It was very reminiscent of the Nationals. Because the Nationals weren't very good, then they got hot and won the World Series. That's what makes this whole thing about – Having a team go back-to-back years, it's like you have these outliers. Like you got these teams that weren't well, they? The, the wild cards the, made it tougher. When, when the Nationals, what was it? Before the trading deadline, they are talking about selling everybody off. What What are they going to do? What's Rizzo going to do with the team? And the next thing you know, they're the World Series champions. We have a lot of that in the game of baseball 2000, lately. 2003 Marlins. Snuck in with a wild card. Win the World Series. They've won two World Series, but the Marlins have yet to win a division title Ever. in the National League East. Oh, that's Isn't crazy. That crazy. Yeah. Well, and that that leads you to like you you said you got to talk to them down there. Uh, you were down in San Diego to yeah. see Bill Mel at Petco. I had the Braves and uh, about uh, two weeks ago now the Braves and Padres. That's what I'm hoping for as we start getting closer into July, that all these moves are going to be made in a positive way, and they're moves that are about winning and getting to the postseason because there's so many teams that have shown us, especially recently in recent years, you just got to get in. That's all that matters. Just find your way into the tournament. 
right? That That's all you got to do is now with an extra team getting in, so we'll have six in each league. It makes it uh, – I, I think it's going to make for a more interesting trade deadline, and teams have to evaluate where they are and if they should really go for it or not. That that extra team in the playoffs, I think, alters a lot of the thinking for GMs around baseball. Other thing I was thinking about, too, and this is where – ways away but the bad teams unfortunately are really bad so who's gonna you don't be think the orioles are good how, how many guys are gonna be out there that you really want that you think you're gonna give something up for that are really gonna help you for a postseason drive that's why when people say when should you get rid of frankie montas i would understand if someone blew you away right now but ideally i would like to hold him and keep them all the way to the deadline and let these desperate GMs, because there's going to be there's going to be desperate GMs, and there's going to be desperate GMs who are worried about their job long term. So why do they care about prospects? Because if they don't get it done, they're fired, and those prospects won't mean to, mean to them anything when they're looking for a new job. And that's what you can do when you've got an ace card, like the A's do in Montas. You can evaluate your situation. Look, all of a sudden... You're hovering around 500. Then you can evaluate things. If you're still at this point come July, then that becomes an interesting topic within the organization. Do we try to add? Because we feel we may have a chance to compete and get in there. So it's it's a strong play to hold on to them. And then if you do decide that it's in the best interest to move them, then you can make teams bid against one another. And I think you'll get a great package. Look, he's going to be highly coveted by a number of teams who are looking for that A starter heading to the postseason. I understand how the American League West is not going to be sexy to a lot of people around the game of baseball, but it's going to be interesting. If the Angels get pitching, Mariners are not pulling that horrible run differential and winning. Uh, Astros are going to be better than the record. What are the A's actually going to be like as the A's continue to grow confidence? I thought Texas what they're would be, be better like? than this. I know. Again, we're not, we're not even a month in, but but they they put money into two players. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And that's what do you expect? But as they were just here, and Eric Nadell said, the game plan is next year to spend more money. So, we're going to have to bump you for Sandy Alomar Jr. Getting bumped again. Story of my life. I, I didn't expect to have so many Guardians guests on, but they came through. Have you slipped up and called them the uh, original name of the franchise? Or we have not. The Spiders? Okay, yeah, the Cleveland Spiders. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> not to be confused with the San Francisco Spiders, Commander Cody. Okay, all right. All right. Wow. Yeah, okay. that was one of the I, – I love the idea of the Spiders because I thought that would have been great. Yeah. From a, you could have made a super cool logo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that would have been awesome. All, All right. right. So we're going to switch Alomar over. Sandy right. waits for no man. Yes. All right. We'll give up your headset. All you right. have his headset. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him so he doesn't hear the crashing sound of the table. Thank you, Roxy. You, Cody's going to mute mine. him. There you go. Roxy Bernstein, A's, Pac 12 Network, and of course, ESPN. Sandy Alomar Jr. is going to join us here. As the last time we were able to talk to him was down in Las Vegas, right before oh, wow. COVID, if wow. you remember that. That was, uh, yes, just like a week before COVID, right? Yeah, like we were like all, we had two games, 
where the Aviators play there in Las Vegas. And we were talking to you, and we'll get to that in a second, about your great career in Vegas. I know how it meant to you being a AAA with the Padres at the time. And then we all went back to spring training, and right after that, our world's completely changed. That was insane. Uh, we were going back to spring training, and uh, all of a sudden, it's like, who knows what, what was going on in Las Vegas, how much COVID was there before we came back. But the news came in in our spring training. We had a meeting, and uh, all of a sudden, there's no more baseball. We had to go home. Well, I think you were the last in-person non-A's guest that we had because after that we went to spring training it was a few ways and boom we were shut down for almost in person for almost two years you were the last guy we had talked to that's that's pretty crazy right there but uh i'm honored yeah no it's great <laughs> i'm honored because we're but, sitting here talking about i mean obviously your great career but then vegas talking about how much vegas meant to you back in the day when you're with the padres and your family obviously your family history with them and, and and for you being back in Vegas was a big deal. Yeah, that was a turning point in my career in the minor leagues. Uh, I uh, started uh, becoming the player that everybody thought was going to be when I when I got when I signed as a free agent with uh, with the Padres. I was a 17, 18 year old kid and uh, struggled at the beginning. But then when I went to Double A uh, in uh, uh, Wichita, I started turning that corner, understanding you know that the, the level of baseball we were playing at that, that level, and then. And 88, 89, when I went to Vegas, it was it was an amazing, uh, amazing time there. Great, great numbers, great uh, championship season in 88, and uh, 89 was my, my best year in the minor leagues. You know, the we're going to be honoring Ray Fossey throughout the year, and of course, we're going to unveil his patch out here in left center, and he's uh, out at Heritage Park, his plaque. I remember when we were there in Cleveland, I went with Ray to do the interview. He always talked so highly of you, loved you. He loved catching, loved the game. It's so sad we lost our friend Ray Fossey, but I just think it's fitting that we waited for the Indians to be in town to honor Ray Fossey, truly one of the greats of our game, and my God, he's missed. Yes, he's uh, one of the persons that I always enjoy talking baseball to. I, I you know, when my father, my father played against Ray, he was with the A's and the Indians uh, early in the early 70s, and uh, Rowdy and myself, we used to love to watch uh, the, the Oakland A's when they come to Anaheim because they were the, the team to beat. And, uh, but when I signed professional, uh, Ray always took time out of, out of his time to talk to me and uh, to give me some good advice and stuff like that. But always, always, always uh, it's fun to come here to, to Oakland and have him wait over there waiting until I come out. And the experience that I had talking to him, was, it was amazing. It was like I cherish that for life. Yeah, you know, and, and there is something about you catchers. There's this fraternity, <laughs> right, <laughs> about you catchers that, you know, and we got Brad Ausmus now on the staff. It's the longtime catchers. It's kind of like like almost how the quarterbacks are in the NFL. You guys are like that in baseball. That's correct, and we have that care for each other, and uh, we always like uh, – I'm one of the guys that I always observe all the other catchers, uh, how to do uh, the – the defensive mechanics differently than others and always curious about what is in their plan, what do they do, why, why, why you do it like that. And Ray always is, it was the same way. He always asked questions about that. And the evolution of catching has gone so, so differently now uh, with the one knee and different ways of receiving that, you know, it's very intriguing talking to all the catchers in baseball and always ask questions. Do you like what they're doing now behind the plate defensively? Like you said, sometimes getting down on one knee because Ray hated it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 you have to adapt, and, and you have to explain to people what the reason of it is. It's a, a lot of times it's more like a, 
to give the catcher a break uh, of uh, the wear and tear of the uh, long season, but also also is uh, is a tricky way to uh, uh, not having a marker or a uh, a reference of the lower part of the zone. Because when you have your knees up, the the reference of the uh, the lower part of the zone is from the knee down. But when the knee's not there, the umpire doesn't know what the lower part. If you receive it good, it seems like the ball was in the bottom part of the quadrant. So there's many things that uh, the, that is is uh, advantage, also disadvantage. Because when you're on one knee, you're really locking your hips in the ground in one way. If you don't know how to use your your heels to move to the lateral to block balls, then it becomes difficult. It might become difficult too to throw guys out to in, uh, when they go to steal, because it might be a little bit different. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Uh, I think you have more mobility in the conventional stand, uh, hip-wise, and uh, more balance. But for other people that have limitations in their hips and ankles, one knee would be probably the best way to go. I never thought about that. So essentially, traditionally, we know how catchers set up. You now take your knees away. Let's say your right leg straight and you're down on one left knee. For an umpire, you've taken away the two knees that help him call the strike zone. Yeah, so, I never thought about that. So if you call outside to a righty, normally the the the, the track main stands that you have track we call it we call it uh, uh, the track stands because when you go in the track stands you go in this direction. So if you if you call outside to a righty, so you 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 lift your right knee up and the left knee should be down. That way, this area right here is where the umpire doesn't have the reference. But from this leg in, even though you have this leg in the ball side. From this leg in, it might be a strike, because he thinks sometimes they think that that from that knee in is in a strike zone. So if you call inside to a righty or away from a lefty, the left knee should be up. From that marker in, should be a strike. And then uh, the bottom of the zone, depending where the umpire's head is, if he's in the right side, he's gonna the reference of the lower of the zone is gonna be you receiving. That's that's I, I I never thought of it that way, but now it makes total sense. By the way, we're looking at Ramirez. Uh, you've played with some of the great players in Indians history. You're one of the great players in Indians history, and you, some of the teams you were on were just so stacked. But talk about how special this guy is because it just, you know, looking at the highlights, it's like every night watching quick quick pitch on MLB Network, he's doing something. Yeah, he's, he's a total package. He's a guy that he grinds. He loves to be uh, in the center of the, of the action. Not saying he, don't, he, he doesn't like attention at all. He's not that kid that seeks for attention, but – he likes to be in the pressure situations, and, uh, and the best part is that he wants to stay in Cleveland. He wanted to be a part of uh, the Cleveland Guardian for the for the for the remaining of his career. That's the best part. Uh, I feel like he sacrificed a little bit contract-wise, but if he, if he enjoys it there, you know, and, and love the, the the fan base and his family is comfortable there, sometimes you have to sacrifice that. You know, you guys and you particularly were part of that blueprint that John Hart put together is he got the young guys like you and Bayerga and those guys, and then you started winning. Boom, you open up the new ballpark. Then you start bringing in, because you already had Manny Ramirez and Jim Tomey and yourself and all these guys. And then here comes your brother and Eddie Murray and all these guys. Yeah. Just what was that time? Jacobs Field, you guys had the, the sellout streak. You had that record going. That time in Cleveland, I don't know if you ever get it back. That was such a special time. Super special times, and uh, that's what happens when you get and you sign players and risky uh, to below market value. In the long run, the, the players were uh, playing below market value. 
But you have superstar player below market value, and you're able to extend your uh, winning season year after year because you got Manny Ramirez, Vero Market, Gene Tomey. But then when the when the when the train hit the the end of the tracks, then <laughs> those guys those guys realized, hey, wait a minute, I need to get paid. Yeah. So it, it became a little different, but uh, they they uh, wanted to play for the organization. They felt like we all felt like. Uh, like, for example, when I got traded from San Diego, I felt like a, a, a lot of responsibility to be part of a, a winning organization. And we, we talked to other players at least, I'm, I'm going to stay here. I want to I wanna be part of I have an opportunity to play Major League Baseball. These people gave it to me. Whatever they feel like is fair for, for me or I feel like it's fair, I'm going to just stay here. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, you got to be pretty happy with, you know, your time in Cleveland here. You know, guys change, guys leave, but you guys kind of like the A's still stay competitive. Yes, they they, they do a fantastic job uh, evaluating talent and uh, um, how to f- how to figure out how to maintain yourself uh, uh, efficient, efficient baseball. And uh, we one thing they, they the Indians or the Guardians now we, we do is like they they focus a lot on pitching. Pitching is going to sustain you. Uh, through the course of, uh, or uh, what do you call it, a uh, rebuilding uh, time. It, you can't call it rebuilding all the way because your pitching is so good. So yeah. you, it, it helps you to maintain at least to not to be go below 500. Right now we're in a tough stretch, and uh, every time we come to the West Coast, sometimes we get a, a butt kick. But uh, I have, these guys are resilient. Um, I'm, I'm assuming they, 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 they know how to get out of it. Well, there's no question whether we're talking Indians or Guardians, you're always going to go down as one of the great ones as you were when it came to all-star catcher <laughs> and and the teams that you played on and all the postseasons it was so much fun to watch and it's always great to have you on the program let's just hope that we're going to end this interview and we can do it again next year correct yeah correct we'll not make it two years in a pandemic in between yeah let's let's see uh how this uh evolved with the new uh covid situation but uh since uh, players are getting recuperated a lot faster, and hopefully we get over this. Well, it's always an honor to have you on. It really uh, is. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much. We have more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Do you remember what a beast he was? You're talking about he was the premier catcher in baseball and he got held back he didn't get held back because of what we know of today with we're worried about his contract years he got held back because he was blocked you're talking about a six-time all-star rookie of the year he's in the indians hall of fame they're now calling it i guess the guardians hall of fame but the problem was he was in San Diego, and, well, he wasn't in San Diego. He was in Las Vegas, which was the Padres AAA, and they had a guy who at the time was the best defensive catcher in the game. And I think I know who it is. He had set the record. I don't think he holds it anymore, but he had the record for the longest hitting streak for a rookie all time. Is that uh, Benito Santiago? The great Benito Santiago throwing from his knees, and everybody everybody was so enamored by it. You know, I mean, I grew up with it, so growing up in San Diego, got to see it. And we could talk to Bip Roberts about it. It was like, it was like electric. I mean, here's this guy throwing from his knees, 
And he's throwing out dudes like Vince Coleman. That's pretty impressive. He's not throwing out like you. Uh, no offense. Vin- Vince Coleman. Well, I wasn't a base stealer. Maybe when I was in <laughs> maybe when I was in uh, seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, uh, no, but yeah. no, Vince Coleman was the premier stolen base guy be- along with Ricky in the 80s and 90s. Tim Raines. And no one wanted to run on Benito because by throwing from his knees, he was so much faster and he had that rocket arm. Well, you had Sandy Alomar Jr. Some people felt Sandy was the second best catcher in all of baseball. And he's playing in AAA. And he's dominating AAA. And and the whole um, the whole talk in Vegas when we were there, which that just came to me going, God, if you remember, he was the last non-A we talked to before COVID not, not only in that, person. Not only that, he was managing the team because Terry Francona was out. He had surgery? Sur- yeah, so Sandy was the manager. So... They had, do they have a plaque for him at that at the Aviators? They have something there on. I think so, yeah. Because he's by far the greatest player to have ever played for a Las Vegas team. I can't remember all the names. They were like the Las Vegas Stars. Weren't they the 51s? Might have been the 50s. Was that the Oklahoma 51? Or was that the Dodgers? When they were the Dodgers affiliate. I don't know. There were so many different affiliates, yeah. But just as a. Numbers player in Las Vegas, Sandy Almar is the greatest. Well, he shouldn't have been there, but he's the greatest uh, minor league player to ever play at Vegas, to put the numbers up. Now, have there been Hall of Fame players who played in Vegas? I'm sure. But he's honored there because of how great he was. And, like, Ken Korak's wife worked around that that franchise for years, knows him real well. I mean, Sandy is uh, – I got to think at some point, Sand, well, I don't. I don't know if he wants to. Kind of ran out of time with him. Uh, at some point, I think if he wants to be a manager, I could see him being a yeah. manager. He, you know, it was a little surprising when Terry was out for the last of the year, the rest of the year last year, and Demarco Hell took over, or Demario Hell took over. Why wasn't it? Why, it was weird. It wasn't Sandy. I'm not going to be shocked when it's all said and done if Sandy is the future manager of the Guardians. Once Tito, I mean, I heard rumors that Tito went after the San Diego job really hard. Interesting. He wouldn't admit that. Now, if I walked over there and said, hey, guess what I was told? So I was told in spring training that Tito, as much as he's playing the I Love Cleveland card, that he really went after the San Diego job. job. He was going after that hard, which, let's face it, it's a good job. They're spending a lot of money on players. They have good players. Fernando Tatis Jr. had not gotten hurt yet. What about uh, the best hitter in baseball, Eric Hosmer? Hitting 412. Uh, is it somewhere 450? Somewhere in there. He's over 400. What, and, maybe you and you said, guys all wanted him out of San Diego. You said batting average didn't matter. Everyone wanted to run him out of town. You said you say batting average doesn't matter. Well, when the league average is 231, he's standing out above everyone oh, else. Oh, now it matters when it plays into your narrative. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. Uh, and I know Bob Melvin was not happy about the way Hosmer, because, you know, Melvin has a way of dealing with his veteran players. Melvin has a lot of respect for the players. It's one of the reasons why they love him so much. There's great communication. There's great honesty. And Melvin hated Because, remember, we saw Melvin at Ho-Ho Cam. You heard the interview that I did with him, but then I got to talk to him. He was not happy how things went down with Hosmer. He thought it was very unprofessional. Um, but then again, there hasn't been a whole lot of 
love for the way A.J. Preller has treated people, the guy who runs the San Diego Padres. Jose Ramirez taking BP, uh, continues to stay hot. He has 25 RBI already. Well, as Sandy says, we don't, you know, you don't get to know a guy unless you're around him all the time. Like, this guy doesn't want to be superstar. He Like, he's really cool being star player, Cleveland Indian. I mean, they're Guardian. Pretty, Guardian. How much money are they paying him? Uh, was, what was his deal? Five for 124, something like that? Oh, we have a Star Wars stomper walking by right now. Loving it. I, I mean. I mean, not every day you get to see stomper. I mean, not every day. Dressed as a Jedi. Do you get a- stomper, but stomper in a, well, you're hearing us. We're not airing the show today live yet. Um, just to come clean, we can do this, this show on video, on YouTube, and Twitter for from my TV studio at my house. But uh, not yet can we do it from the field here. There's reasons and legalities and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully soon when we're on the field, because you miss so much. It's so when we do the show on the field, we get to see so much, and we want to be able to turn our cameras and, you know, especially during, like, commercial breaks so you can see BP, you can see everything, you see all the players. It's really what makes this set so special that we can get all these players, that you can get a Stephen Kwan, that you can get a, a, a Sandy Alomar Jr., you can get Sheldon Noisy to come over, Roxy Bernstein, all on the field, which makes it extra special. It gives us access that no one else in baseball has well, anywhere else. And I, I, I agree with you, and I don't want we need, to – we need to get to our next guest. And our next guest, oh, I'm going to steal a little bit from the uh, – because the NFL draft is going on. He's a, uh, he's a competitor. He's a five-tool guy. He's a road. He's a grinder. Um, Good feet. Checks all the boxes. Uh, great lateral movement. A great thrower of the baseball. I I didn't have to watch his combine. I just got to check the tape. I talked to his elementary. As you told me last night, I talked to his elementary his elementary coach, and he he knew back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His grandmother was a part of the Olympic trials on the relay team. Uh, uh, the manager of the Oakland A's is like us. He brings his lunch pail to work every day and goes to work. He's a blue collar player. <laughs> I do. That is my favorite in the NFL draft when they start going to some of these things. Yeah, his elementary, his elementary coach knew, or his grandmother was on the Canadian relay team. Like <laughs> for a guy that plays on what? the offensive line. Like what? What is that? What his grandma was on the Olympic? What year was that? His grandma's <laughs> like what was that? Have to does does grandma's DNA really factor into <laughs> this guy's D? I mean, I'm sure it does a little bit, but like, and then did, does. One year I went over it. It's it's actually alarming. Back when I was doing the Raiders, and as you know, the Raiders always had a high draft. Um, Not this year. Nah, there was no pick. Uh, you would go back and say, hey, four years from now, two-thirds of these guys are not with the team that drafted them. Two-thirds. Yeah. Uh, Same things with the NBA. The NBA, the NBA and the NFL draft – like on a night on a night like last night, and it's going on right now as we speak, it's like this guy's changing the organization. You know, you see those stupid fans. Did you see the Jet fan last night? It starts right now. It starts, right. buddy. Uh, I, I've I've been to the Meadowlands. I, I've, I've seen Jets. I've it heard ain't, it ain't changing. I heard that the Jets got three generational talents. That's not. I'm not making that up. That's actually something I read. And the reality is, th- three four years from now, not one of them could be on the roster. Yeah, it's true. And uh, I'm pretty sure at some point uh, when we get to Mark Hudson, I'm sure he had a learning experience or two playing college baseball like a lot of these. That's what they always say, learning experience. He learned from it. 
Um, what other cliche? I'm going I'm trying to look through our text from uh, that we that we threw out to each other last well, night. Well, don't read one of them. One of them is not <laughs> yeah, should not yeah, be yeah. read. Uh, he gets all probably the, uh, my best yeah. one should not be read. Conte got to all the 50-50 balls in the outfield. <laughs> But then I responded, he got 80% of the 50-50 balls. That's how good he was. Well, Mark Kotze was that good. i got to go back to some of these. They're really good. I was at a concert last night. Uh, there may or may not have been a few drink, uh, be uh, adult beverages consumed, and then we're texting about the draft. So, all right, do you want to get to Kotze now? Hold on. I want to do some I, – I want to do uh, – because he's 15 and a half minutes, and we have to get out like a minute or two after we're done with him. He can't teach his kind of, he can't teach his kind of heart. Yeah, it's – and, and I'll tell you what, he stands out on the tape. He has a high motor, opposed to him having a low motor. Makes everyone in the clubhouse a much better player. By the way, he loves football. He's a, he's a high character guy. High IQ guy. I look at him as a blue-collar player. I told you, he brings his lunch pail to work every day. You know what? Every team in that draft last night got better. <laughs> That's what started it all. Everyone got better last Everybody night. Everybody got That's better That's not true, though. Night. 49ers didn't have a pick. The Raiders did think of Devontae Adams. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think who else. Did you see pick. Josh Jacobs? Forget Colin Farrell. I can't remember that. Josh Jacobs, they're like, I don't know if we're going to – because his rookie contract's up. Yeah. they, they did, uh, it, was, it was another guy too. Uh, uh, Jonathan Abram. Like, wow. Mark Kotze was drafted in the first round. He was the ninth. I know we did the interview earlier today, and I said eight or ninth pick in the draft. I think he was the ninth. Yes, he said ninth. He corrected you at the end, but he did it really, really nicely. He said I was the ninth pick. Well, I said I didn't say ninth or tenth. I yeah, said eight or ninth. Uh, yeah, you actually sold it high. You, you yeah, actually, I actually you, made, you made it better like than he was. Higher, he wasn't yeah. the eight. He was a top eight. He was only he was only good enough to be the ninth pick in the draft. If anybody can talk about Mark Kotze, that would be me because I played against Mark Kotze in college. And let me tell you something, Mark Kotze is arguably the greatest college baseball player of all time. He was incredible. Cal State Fullerton won the national championship, was the Golden Spikes Winner Award, which makes you the best player in college baseball. But uh, so far, pretty impressive. What time are we out? Well, it was going to be somewhere around 525, so we got to get to him quickly. It's 15 and a half minutes. Why don't we just do this and then I'll be out? And then you can end the show. Fine, I'll end it. So each week we will talk to Mark Kotze. Mark Kotze. It's the Mark Kotze Show. We're going to do it every Friday. It may change every once in a while, but, hey, the skipper, we haven't called him skipper yet. Sk yeah. I want to get his reaction. Like when someone first called, because to me the skipper thing's weird because you're not running a boat. You're running a baseball team, not a boat. I've never <laughs> sure, really understood yeah. the skipper thing. Uh, remind me next time we do the Mark Kotze Show, what was it like the first time someone called him Skip? Was it was that odd? What what happens what, real quick? What happens if the if Skip Schumacher takes over as the manager of a team? Do you still call him? S well, now you're calling him Skip. Yeah, it's just I don't know all the time. Yeah, though. it's interesting because I don't remember last time uh, we saw a manager named Skip. So that is the uh, that's the brilliant stuff that comes up here on A's <laughs> Cast Live. Here is your weekly edition of the Mark Kotze Show. Time now for the Mark Kotze Show here on A's Cast, and it's brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their locations in the Bay Area, or you go online to nestbetting.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order, your mattress, your bedding, you name it. Use the coupon code Oakland at nestbetting.com or at one of their stores to get 10% 
off of your entire order. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Tony. Uh, enjoyed a good off day. Actually went back home for a little bit of it and uh, just flew in this morning here and stepping in my office and couldn't be happier to be on and uh, and talk baseball with you. You know, you, you, we don't really think about it all that much because it is the baseball lifestyle to, to play every day, but because of the lockout and you're trying to shove 162 games into a shortened time and people are playing a lot of consecutive games. Of course, you guys just did 17 straight. What do you think this means for your club getting settled, not only in Oakland, but for the rest of the season, having two days off so so close to each other? Yeah, well, you, you look at it and you think, well, this wouldn't be beneficial, but I actually think it was. Um, you know, our first off day, uh, was probably rest and recovery for the guys because we had left spring training and played 17 consecutive games and hadn't been here to Oakland uh, to to put our stuff away. So um, yesterday was probably that day for guys just to get settled into their places, put their stuff away finally, um, really maybe go to explore some of uh, some of the sites and restaurants and things. So. Um, you know, I think it, I think it was a good thing. It was positive, uh, especially with uh, kind of what we're going through as a club from a health standpoint, uh, and and you know, not just uh, from injuries, but but from um, what we've dealt with in in our world for the last two years with COVID. You know, people talk about making a lineup card every single day and the and the construction of a lineup, and I'm thinking about you. I mean, you've used so many players because you've had to already. You just kind of like shake your head and go, wow, I can't believe how many guys we've played already this year. Well, and one one thought is it's been great. It's been great that we've been able to um, continue forward with, you know, utilizing everyone uh, that was in spring training. You know, we talked about uh, giving guys opportunities this year. Um, we've, we've done that so far. I think we've used 36 different players. Uh, at this point and uh, you know everyone's played a part in uh, in the success we've had and and I think everyone feels included and that that's a good feeling uh, from a managing standpoint that we're able to you know use guys put them in situations for success and give the give them opportunities so early in the season uh, and I think it's benefited all of us. No doubt. And I know you preached everybody's in it. Everybody's involved, you know, however you want. Everybody's pulling on the same rope. Everybody's rowing in the same direction. But that it really helps your message then when you play so many players, especially the 16 rookies. Talk about how that really helps your message going forward because everybody's had a part in this so far. Yeah, exactly. You know, when everybody feels like they've got a chance to, to touch the big league team, uh, at the development level, I think we're going to get the most out of uh, out of all the players uh, from AAA, AA. Um, they they have a vision that that you know it may be them. Uh, they may get the call uh, as Mickey McDonald has done. Uh, you know, you talk to listen to Mickey talk and hear some of uh, his comments through media. Um, when Nick Allen got called up, you know uh, he was uh, kind of enamored or. Uh, the light went on. Hey, yeah, if they're calling Nikki, maybe maybe I can get a shot. And then I think two days later, <laughs> we made his dream a reality, and and he was in the big leagues. So um, the message is being sent through the organization that uh, you go out, you got a chance to earn an opportunity to touch this this major league team. And and as you talked about with with 16 rookies so far touching this team, um, 
you know, it, it definitely shows that, that we're not afraid to, to reach down and grab some talent in the minor leagues and give them a chance to see what they can do here. Uh, you know, whether it be one game, one at bat or a week, or maybe they stay. And, uh, and I think that's uh, going on here in Oakland right now. And it's, it's a different environment than what's been in the last four years, but it, I think it's still exciting. You know, we always talk about when, when something great happens to you. Hey, check in your cell phone, what it's been like. Well, for Mickey, kind of pretty cool. Like, you go to your cell phone and Tom Brady's uh, uh, sending you a text. That's not bad when you get called up. That's a pretty big swag. Yeah, that is a pretty big swag. And he even introduced himself on the video. Uh, he said, hey, Mickey, this is Tom Brady. We all kind of got to chuckle about that. Does Tom Brady really need to introduce himself? So, uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, uh, when and if Mickey uh, is no longer with us, if, if there's a roster move, that I don't get a message from Tom Brady saying, hey, what what are you doing? So uh, we'll see when that day comes. You know, over in San Francisco, something happened that we haven't seen before in A's history. And when we talk A's history, this is going all the way back, Philadelphia, Kansas City, where a guy leads off the game w- with a home run, Chad Pender, and then that's it. Ball game over. It's one nothing. That never happened before. What was it like to be a part of it? And what was it like to manage it? Um, well, to be a part of it, it's great to be a part of A's history. Uh, and as you talked about, reaching all the way back to the Philadelphia A's. And um, that's really significant. That's, that's a lot of history there. Uh, and it's somewhat surprising that that had never happened, you know, uh, if we look at uh, my wall and I'm looking at a picture of Ricky Henderson, who we know let off multiple A's games with homers, and to think that there hadn't been a game uh, in A's history where a leadoff homer held for a one nothing victory, it's, it's quite surprising. But uh, as far as managing that game, I would say uh, there was never a dull moment. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of anxiety every game uh, when, you, when you're managing and making decisions um, that impact the game, but uh, yeah, holding on to that one nothing lead, uh, watching you know Paul uh, roll a, a three six one bases loaded double play after we had committed two errors in that same inning. Um, you felt that there was something special there, and then watching the relievers come in and, and guy after guy just uh, get out, it was it was pretty great. I'm with you. I was so shocked by that. I'm like, with all the leadoff home runs, Ricky Henderson has hit. This has never happened, but. Uh... Pretty incredible. You mentioned the airs. Obviously, your guys, I mean, at no point you can tell watching, your guys are eager. Your guys are ready to rock every single day. Nobody's dogging it. But you don't like airs. You got to clean it up. How do you handle it? We just go out to work. We got to get to work. You know, I made a joke after the game um, that we were going to have practice, which would have been yesterday morning at 10 a.m., a little PFP, a little infield routine. But um, in all seriousness, um, we're, we're going to continue to work. And, um, you know, there's not a day that goes by. Um, these guys don't like to make errors, and, and they're pros. Um, so they're impacted by it as well, and, and they know that they need to be better um, man for man, and, and they're out there working every day. And, and that's kind of uh, what we can do to, to prepare um, to get better uh, every day. And, and that's the goal, as we talk about. It's, it's prepared to win the day, and, and I think we're going to go about that every day uh, with that same mindset and mentality and, and you know, uh, and put in our mind that, that we are going to be better and play with more confidence defensively. 
Yeah, it, it's such the psychology of professional sports in these games and the mental side. Everybody obviously has has the talent. And the last thing you ever want to do is get in your own head. And I, I mean, Sheldon Noisy, no doubt, is getting in the lineup every day because he's showing he can hit and he can hit at this level. Is there anything that you guys do? Because I remember what happened with Marcus Simeon back in the day when he started kicking a lot of balls. It obviously got hit in his head. Ron Washington then showed up and the rest is history. Is there anything you do as a group? Uh, is anybody going to work with them? What do you do with a guy like Sheldon Noisy to make sure, number one, he doesn't get down on himself? Yeah, well, that's the, the, the down on himself part is my job. That's my uh, daily communication process with him, just to instill the confidence we have in him. He's a good defender. Uh, you know, everybody goes through stretches at times uh, where, where it just seems like you make errors consecutively and it snowballs. Um, so uh, for Sheldon, you know, I'm, you don't make excuses for players. Um, but I will tell you this. Um, Townie, that game on uh, Wednesday night was probably one of the coldest games I've been a part of, uh, especially in San Francisco. It just felt like the wind was blowing right through right through your body. So, uh, but no excuses. We need to make the plays, and Sheldon knows that, and and he'll go out and continue to to work with Eric Martins. Um, we'll identify, uh, you know, any issues that we see uh, from a mechanical standpoint, and and address those, and 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 just try to you know get better. You know, where are you now versus comfortable-wise now versus where you were going into the season with your bullpen? I, I have to believe it's changed and there's a lot more confidence. Well, I think if you talk to David Forrest in terms of, you know, our communication throughout spring training, I felt confident about these guys. I, you know, you never know um, because there isn't a proven track record as to how they're going to perform. Um, but I think over these last 19 days, um, you know, yes, it, it's great to see uh, the success. It definitely leads to more confidence down there. Uh, you know, for me, we're going to line them up as best we can to, to, to get out each night. And, uh, and I think that we've been able to do that. We've been able to, as I talked about, you know, in the beginning of the season, try to land them in some spots to give them success early. We were fortunate uh, to be able to do that. And I think you see these young guys um, starting to, to really believe that, that they can pitch here, pitch here well, um, and, and they've gone out and, and earned their opportunities. So it's, it's fun to watch. Um, you know, it's, it's still only 19 games in. Um, we, we have, uh, you know, a roster um, moves uh, coming up that, that are implemented from MLB that we have to drop down to 26 players. So there's going to be some guys down there impacted maybe, um, which you don't, you know, ever want to um, – really have to, to send somebody, you know, out when they're pitching well. Um, but those decisions have to be made throughout the weekend and, and as we get closer to this May 1st uh, roster change. What's so interesting is I get a lot of people on the postgame show, they go, well, what happens when this guy comes back? And Chad Pender and then Lou Trevino, I go, what a great problem to have. More talent, more of your better talent coming back. I mean, isn't that a way for you to look at it? It's like, you know, I may not have enough at-bats. I may not have enough innings, but, man, I got enough talent. Isn't that great to know as a manager? Yeah, it definitely is. It's it's great to have, you know, veteran guys that, that have a proven track record um, coming back to, you know, have an impact on this club. Um, you know, and in that opportunity for them to get back in here, as you talk about, 
uh, it takes away from opportunity from a young player or someone that's trying to earn their, you know, uh, their time here. But that's a good problem, as you talk about. The more talent we can get, the more guys we can get here uh, to the major league level and, and show them really, you know, what the difference is between Major League Baseball and AAA Baseball. And, and, and when they go back, they'll have, you know, uh, a foundation and, and something that they know um, is obtainable and what they're, what they're working on, what they need to work on to get back here. So it's a good problem to have, County. Um, and, and, you know, we're excited to, to get Jed Lowry back tonight. He'll be back in the lineup. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll look forward to uh, uh, hopefully having him in there uh, the remainder of the season. Let's end on this. We had the start of the NFL draft last night in Las Vegas, the first round, and now we'll move on to the rest of the rounds. And you think these kids all got suits on. They got big chains, medallions, the hair. They got it. They got it all rolling. What were you wearing on draft night? Did you have anything going? I mean, what, your first round, what, you were like eighth or ninth when you went in the draft? I was in my USA baseball shorts or the USA baseball shirt in Millington, Tennessee, uh, with other teammates who are also a part of that same draft. Chris Benson, who is the number one pick, was there with us. Uh, Travis Lee. I could name probably 10 to 15 guys uh, that were part of that USA baseball team prepping for uh, the Olympic Games in that summer. And uh, so we all kind of got to, to celebrate with, with, with ourselves. Um, but yeah, there was no fame, no glamour. It was a phone call actually from, uh, each scouting director, uh, individually, they would call Skip Burtman and, and we'd walk down the hall and take the phone call. And, uh, I was blessed to be the ninth pick overall. Um, so I didn't have to wait too long, but, um, you know, very thankful, very blessed for that opportunity. I'm sure these young men that are, uh, up on stage that are in those suits and in those chains are are uh, feeling that same emotion and impact in their lives. So special day for them. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't follow the NFL draft very much. There's not a ton of time to, to go in depth on it. But um, I, hope the, uh, I hope the Niners, I hope the Bay Area team and, and John Lynch do well in this draft. You mean you didn't have a big old Cots diamond necklace medallion type <laughs> thing around your neck? I did not, Tony. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you would have looked good that now, since you're going to the Marlins, like a teal suit, like a Miami vice suit that look, that would have looked good back then. Yeah. That, I don't know how well I would have rocked it at, at, uh, at 19 year or 20 years old. So it would have been interesting to, to, uh, to have that spotlight put on us. And I'm kind of thankful it wasn't. So, well, off to a good start, 10 and nine now back home and start this series with the guardians. Good luck to you. Have a great weekend and week. And we'll talk to you next Friday. All right, Tony. Thanks for having me again, bud. Talk to you soon. And that's the manager of the Oakland A's, Mark Kotze. If you missed any of the interview, you can find it on our website, athletics.com slash AceCast or wherever you get your podcasts. But that's going to do it for AceCast Live today on Friday, April 29th. Uh, we want to thank Stephen Kwan of the Guardians, Roxy Bernstein, Sheldon Noisy, Sandy Alomar Jr., and Mark Kotze. We will be back on Monday uh, ahead of the game against the Rays, getting you ready for A's and Rays starting next week on Monday. But coming up next, you'll hear a little bit of the David Ford Show, and then Chris Townsend will be back for A's Total Access starting at 540. We'll talk to everybody on Monday. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 